Why don't we do this more often? Why don't we? Just what we're doing tonight. What a lovely night. Gee, but it's great to get together again. Show it. Why does it only happen now and then? Welcome back. This episode of City of Angels Exposed will take us down a murderous, sinister side of DTLA. For those of you that are like me and are true crime lovers, I'm also known as the queen of the ID channel, by the way, I'm confident you will enjoy this eerie, deadly combination of stories. And I probably should give a disclaimer that truly this subject matter or parts of it can be gruesome. So be forewarned. This is another chapter to my ongoing love letter to my favorite city, DTLA. And as always, I encourage you all to share your shadowy stories that you may find interesting and fascinating along this this subject matter. This theme seems to be right up my alley. Most probably because I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe with beating hearts in the grass, with people being bricked into walls and buried alive. And that's not to mention uh, my friend Sherlock Holmes, who was always hunting down nefarious criminals in foggy London. Then we'll fold in a little Charles Adams of Adams Family fame, which appealed to my sarcastic side. These noir authors created my love for horror and possibly... Well, possibly my warped intrigue for the creepy and macabre. Who knows? Maybe in the future I'll do a DTLA hotel tour of murderous events. Although I'm not sure if those hotels and PR departments would be too enthralled with that marketing strategy. But I think this is the fun of podcasting. We can do whatever we want. The hotels downtown were often a backdrop for many serial killers and murders throughout history. We'll run down several that show the seedy underbelly of a metropolis that attracted many, and I do mean many, homicidal characters. I'll begin with a few hotels that have justifiably earned their notoriety. The Hotel Barclay was opened in 1897, and it was known then as the Van Nuys and was one of the finest hotels in in L.A., It was the first hotel to provide telephone and electric service to every room, and it is the oldest hotel in continuous operation in L.A. The hotel was a commercial investment by Isaac Newton Van Nuys. You'll know that name as one of the cities in the San Fernando Valley and is one of L.A.'s, was one of L.A.'s wealthiest businessmen and landowners. It was designed by the firm of Morgan and Walls, and the six-story Beaux-Arts-style building with Romanesque features cost over $275,000 to build, which I don't know what that would convert to in uh, 2019 money, but it was a lot in 1897. I guess the first negative omen may have been when in 1900 or 1901, maybe both, uh, there were two wait staff that were killed in the elevator uh, systems in that hotel. One was leaning over and I think a wait um, 
uh, almost beheaded him, and he died instantly. And there was another one that was trying to get out uh, on a f- in between floor, and there was uh, an occurrence that ended his life tragically. Our first story is about a guest of the hotel by the name of Wilson, who invited a lady of the night, a.k.a. prostitute, to accompany him to the hotel. They checked in to the room under an assumed name, and he choked the woman and subsequently severed parts of her body using the knife he had just purchased. He claimed that the choking took place during an argument following her demand for $20 after reaching their room. His original plan was to cut up the body of his victim so he could carry carry it out of the hotel in package form, similar to our current UPS and FedEx packages. To this end, one leg was severed, but the plan was abandoned. Instead, the remaining severed parts of the body were placed in a closet of the room. Once he was done, he went across the street to watch a show at the Million Dollar Theater, which I spoke about in my previous Movie Palace episode. Eventually, the maid at the hotel found the young lady's horribly mutilated body when she opened the closet. Three days later, Wilson claimed a second life when he butchered Lillian Johnson in another downtown hotel. He was arrested at a nearby bar. He was convicted of both murders and executed at San Quentin in 1946. Unfortunately for the Hotel Barclay, it really all went downhill from there. Like the infamous Hotel Cecil, which we'll talk about next, and other famous single occupancy hotels in the Skid Row area, the Barclay became a magnet for desperation, addiction, and crime. There were three fires at the dilapidated hotel in the early 70s, one of which killed three residents. In 1975, murder again came to the Barclay, room 528 specifically, when a drifter named Samuel Suarez became a victim of serial killer Vaughn Greenwood, the Skid Row Slasher. And we'll talk a little bit more in depth about serial killer Greenwood in a moment. The Barclay was granted historic cultural monument status by the city in 1985, But it continues its life of quiet oblivion. It is still a low-income residence and seems to be stubbornly resistant to any and all regentrification efforts. Very tragically, um, death continues to visit the Barclay. And as recently as 2017, a Los Angeles firefighter by the name of Kelly Wong fell to his death during a training exercise at the hotel. Now we are going to travel on to the most creepy hotel, the Hotel Cecil, or what I call lovingly Murder Central. The Cecil Hotel opened in 1924 as a 700-room upper-class hotel in what was considered at the time a very swanky section of downtown. During its early years, it enjoyed great success as a tourist destination and as a residence for middle-class Angelinos. However, by the 1930s, this would rapidly change following the Great Depression 
As it gained a reputation as a decaying residence, the Cecil became known as a budget hotel for traveling salesmen and other transients. I'd like to interject for those American Horror Story fans. The Hotel Cortez in the series, a 90-year-old hotel built by serial killer James Patrick March, was the real-life inspiration taken from this hotel. Purportedly, there have been at least 16 deaths at the Cecil, resulting from non-natural causes, either as a result of suicide, accident, or murder. And the Cecil has been connected with many well-known murders. We'll start with Elizabeth Short, a victim dubbed by the media as a Black Dahlia, as one of L.A.'s best-known unsolved murder mysteries to this day. Short was reportedly seen at the Cecil's Bar in the days shortly before her murder in January 1947. We'll talk more about her later because her story also touches one of my favorite hotels, the iconic Biltmore. The Cecil has been the reported residence for a few notorious serial killers. In 1985, Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, called the Cecil home, and he was very scary and ultimately convicted of 13 counts of murder and five attempted murders. There was another infamous serial killer by the name of Jack Untewiger. He was an Australian serial killer who lived at the Cecil in 1991. He committed murder in several countries, and he was first convicted of a 1974 murder. He was released in 1990 as an example of rehabilitation. He became a journalist and a minor celebrity. That's the good news. The bad news is, within months, he started his killing spree again, and he murdered an additional nine people. He committed suicide, luckily, by hanging himself in prison shortly thereafter. I don't know what that says about our prison (laughs) release and rehabilitation programs in general. Moving to the present, in 2013, and this was quite a story, and this every time I I drive by this hotel, I think of this because it was... uh, hmm quite indicative of the legacy of the Cecil. The naked body of Elisa Lamb, the naked body, a 21-year-old Canadian student was found inside one of the water supply tanks on the hotel roof. Now, she had been missing for three weeks. Her decomposing body was discovered by a maintenance worker in one of the rooftop water tanks after, after, Guests had complained about low water pressure in their showers and that the water had, quote-unquote, tasted funny. Hmm. Authorities later ruled Lamb's death as an accidental drowning. Video surveillance footage, though, that was subsequently found, taken from uh, her in the elevator, showed a very erratic Lamb uh, pressing multiple buttons, hiding in the corner, waving her arms. She looked scared on some of it. And um, there has now been widespread speculation and many theories about what really happened to Alyssa Lamb. 
Now we're going to move on to some two horrific serial killers in downtown L.A. outside of a specific hotel. We have, first up, the Skid Row Slasher, and that's not to be confused with the Skid Row Slayer. Uh, Vaughn Greenwood murdered two transients in 1964. He went to prison, once again, for a decade for a different crime, returned to L.A., and killed nine men in a two-month span. The victims' throats were slashed, and the slains were marked by evidence of strange rituals. And most of the derelicts or the homeless slain had been drunk or sleeping in alleys, doorways, or cheap hotels. Those poor unfortunate souls. Greenwood was convicted of the nine counts of murder in 77 and was sentenced to life in prison. Next up would be the Skid Row Slayer. Michael Player was linked to the shooting deaths of 10 homeless in 1986. All victims were slain, again, in a most brief 36-day period that began September 4th and ended October 9th with an, an 11th attack on a man who survived and later identified the killer. The victims were all shot without provocation of any sort in the early morning hours. Michael Player shot and killed himself with the same 38 caliber pistol used in four of the Skid Row killings the day after the last victim was discovered. And I thought our final story is about one of my most captivating murders, maybe in history, maybe in this century. And that was the Black Dahlia or aforementioned Elizabeth Short murder in 1947, still unsolved to this day, and has been the subject of many movies, many books, many theories. And um, it is a, a very twisted, sad ending to an aspiring Hollywood actress. She was possibly a studio call girl whose cut-in-half, mutilated body turned up in a field in another part of L.A. It wasn't downtown. And she was really posed for the world to witness. And this was uh, the most tragic of unsolved murder mysteries that I can imagine. Whether it's just fanciful innuendo or based in fact, there are many theories and rumors of ties, her ties, to one of by far the most influential men in downtown LA at that time, Norman Chandler. And he was the publisher, publisher magnet of the very, very powerful LA Times. He was a prominent mover and shaker in the first renaissance of downtown. Was he entwined in her death? Was there a doctor paid by the family to butcher short and leave her the way she was left? We'll never know for sure. But here is one version based on a book that was extrapolated from the district attorney's files of that day. Chandler was accused of being involved in Elizabeth Short's murder. In a complicated scenario involving multiple perpetrators, Wolf claimed who was the author, that Chandler impregnated Elizabeth Short while she was working as a call girl for Brenda Allen, the notorious Hollywood madam of that day. 
Wolf claimed that this led Chandler to order, in come the mafiosis, uh, the gangster Bugsy Siegel to murder Elizabeth Short. However, I need to make a note here. The L.A. County District Attorney's files have stated that there was no verification of that, that she was either pregnant nor prostitute. So that was their disclaimer. Now I'd like to segue to one of my very favorite hotels in downtown, the iconic Biltmore, the Grand Dame of hotels. This hotel, which dates to 1923, began life as the biggest American hotel west of Chicago and housed several Academy Award ceremonies in the 1930s, 40s, and then 1977. Uh, In its current time, it gets a lot of European and local business travelers who enjoy the glitzy mix of Renaissance, Baroque, Neoclassical, and Moorish styles. And I'll talk more in depth about the Biltmore um, as I'll be doing an episode on my favorite downtown LA hotels of past and present. So stay tuned for that. But the, the lobby of the Biltmore was purported to be the last place Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. the Black Dahlia, was seen alive. As she strolled through the lobby, she went out the Olive Street doors, turned right and into shadowy history. I hope you have enjoyed this true crime episode, and we'll come back to listen to other stories of DTLA past and present as City of Angels Exposed has many, many more stories to be told. If you've enjoyed this episode, please come back and let's do it more often. Like, follow, and comment on my Instagram at DTLA Noir for a unique look into the past and present of DTLA. We ought to do this more often. Mm -hmm. Now, don't you agree that I'm right? I do. Each other laugh, we make each other sing, and you can never.